Live from Mux Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie, this is Kenny and Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. All right, welcome in. It is Kenny and Heilprin. We are live from a from a snowy Monks Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin. Ben Kenny, Zach Heilprin is here. Hello, Zach. Hello. So, uh, Daryl Peterson uh, will join us likely next week uh, on the show. Uh, instead, some some stuff came up, couldn't get it done this week, but uh, look forward to that coming up next week here at Monks. Uh, in the meantime, though, Zach, there's a lot of news. There is basketball happening, and they won. They got it done. And the losing streak is over. Did they cover? Did they cover? They did not. Uh, which, I guess, is par for the course with the team. Um, it's three and a half. I mean, impressed? I don't know. A, a Big Ten win is a Big Ten win. Penn, oh, you, Penn uh, State's oh, a solid here. team. You're hating here? Not at all. Penn State's a tournament team, in my mind. Yeah, they, they took care of business. They got back in the win column with Wallback. Penn State had a lot of success shooting the ball early. I It was a fine game. They won. We moved forward. A, a win's a win. I'm not going to go all... Uh, you know, top of the Big Ten on the win, but it was great, and they needed it, and I'm thrilled. Okay. So <laughs> the excitement in your voice is insane. Thrilled. I mean, it's like what? What's the date? It's January 19th. That was Wednesday night. I've had a long week. I, All right. I All watched right. it. Look, but it, it's but, they snapped a three-game losing streak. They did it against a team that was shooting it pretty well. I will say that there were, I felt. Some open shots, maybe, in the second half that Penn State normally knocks down. At it the is, end. It yep. is, well, that last, the last shot, no. I don't think you normally knock that one down. But the, the one before that, yes. Towards um, the end. Yeah. So there were, there were some shots from, from Penn State that you obviously you think they knocked down. But they shot 40% from three and still didn't win. Uh, Wisconsin defense did enough. Tyler Wall does the little, little things that uh, they had been missing. They lose Max Klesman. And yet they still find a way to win. I thought uh, I thought it was a good one. I, yeah. I'm 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 gonna give them credit for it. Oh, I'm giving them credit. It you was just, more. It's not as if that was the Sunday afternoon game. You you wake up and get excited for that's on CBS, and then they air the the certain fight between uh, two coaches in the handshake line. Uh, this was you know it was Wednesday night, and I've had a long week. But I you're looking a, forward to Valentine's Day, huh? I I cannot wait for that game. And frankly, we haven't really taken full shows to talk basketball yet. We're not going to do it today, but definitely not. There's a lot of football news. But given the nature of that contest, everything that's led up to it, everything that happened last year, I think we need a full show on it. Uh, Maybe on Hunter Dickinson's comments as well, things of that nature. Uh, So I'm I'm looking forward to all of it. I'd be okay with not talking about Hunter Dickinson ever again, but. Uh, or that podcast in general, or any of the hosts <laughs> on that podcast, uh, <laughs> to be fair. Um, yeah, no, it's it's a good win. Wisconsin has a lot. I think, you know, a lot of people think Wisconsin is in a pretty good spot tournament-wise. I think the last three, the the past two weeks have kind of put them in a little bit of a problem just because they're not going to take, they're going to take into account the, tr- they're not going to take into account the tenor, uh, that uh, Tyler Wall wasn't there. They w- Like if it comes up against one team against another team and it's like dead even, at the end of it, then maybe they will, but they're not going to. And so it, they're they're in a, they're a double-digit seed right now in most projections. So what would they have to go to finish to get into the tournament? What you know, what, twenty wins would guarantee them. If they went six and seven the rest of the way, they're eighteen and eleven, eighteen and twelve. 
and then maybe need to win a game in the in the uh, Big Ten tournament to get in. So even if they finish ten and ten in the conference, it's it's no guarantee that they're in. You would think you would think so at ten and ten in this conference it would, but I don't I don't know, man. Yeah, and Saturday's game against Northwestern looks very doubtful to be played with a COVID situation uh, with Northwestern. So that's like that's not a game against the top of the Big Ten that you would think they would be steep underdogs in. Usually, and, and uh, you know, Northwestern's just a weird place to play any sport. But they're still, actually playing pretty well this they're, year too. They're better than they've been, but by no means are they one of the juggernauts that you circle on the schedule as the big games. So. Uh, they, if that doesn't happen on Saturday and they get to schedule and not a conference game. That's not going to happen. Well, or if no game is scheduled, you wonder what the effect of that could be. I don't know. I, I, don't, hate, I, I don't hate it. With, the Max, with Max Klesnick's injury, obviously, you don't know exactly where he's going to be. And Tyler Wall getting a little extra time for the ankle. You think you kind of have to love both of those things, right, if they don't play Northwestern. Northwestern, COVID issues, uh, reportedly COVID issues. We'll see if they end up playing that game maybe on Sunday. And then Wisconsin has to has the quick turnaround, have to go to Maryland on Wednesday. Hmm. But, you know, if it doesn't happen, wouldn't, I wouldn't hate it for Wisconsin. Yeah. Uh, the big story, and before we get to football, uh, of which there's a lot of chatter, some news, some overall projections in the next season, where the depth chart stands. The story of Tuesday's game. I said Wednesday. I meant Tuesday. Uh, Wisconsin's three-point win over Penn State. I mean, Stephen Crowell does it again. And I, I, don't, I don't know the precise right words to put into context how every single time they get to a second half of a game, like he is the offense. Second half, Steve. And part of the reason has been that Wall's been out and they've needed him to do that. But also, it, it's a testament to, like, he's a guy now. You give him the ball, you're expecting a bucket. And I've, I didn't expect that entering this year. No. He definitely didn't last season. How far he's come is ridiculous. But here's 21 a, and 10. Here's the thing, though. Tw- 21 and 11. Here's the thing, though. He is he Correct. is, uh, he was one of the big three coming into this year. He was considered, you know, along with Chucky and along with Tyler. It didn't play out that way to start the year, but it certainly has of late. Three games of 20-plus points in his last six. Uh, I really liked what Tyler all said about him. It was, it was very quaint. It was very short, but it was... He's become a man in this conference. He's become a, 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 a force in this conference. He's become a grown man. He's a force in this conference. And I think that says a lot. Greg Gard talked about how his confidence is growing, how he de- is demanding the ball. He wants the ball. He needs the ball. That, to me, is just, it's like, yes, that's what you want out of your, out of your junior big man at Wisconsin. A guy who, Steve. Right? A guy who grows as a freshman, grows you know, up, plays a lot as a sophomore, and then has taken a huge step here um, in his junior year. And it was a great bounce back after what was a big stinker at Indiana against Trey Jackson Davis. Yeah. And to all those that have been on the big Steve bandwagon, especially name-wise. You know they put it up in the – it's big – like whenever he scores uh, on the scoreboard, it's it's big Steve. No way. Yeah. Well, I saw that uh, Brendan Harrison, the PR guy, or the brand – Brandon Harrison, yep. For – the basketball team tweeted after the game, you know, Steve another, and Big Steve Crowell does it again. <laughs> another big game for Big Steve. Yeah, I, I, I love it. So, good win. Uh, they are back in action maybe on Saturday against Northwestern. Maybe not. We shall see, uh, and, and we'll see as the rest of the season goes along. On the football side of things, a side of things that has dominated the conversation and one that really never ends, I was going to say uh, if we were to have – 
you know, done a show. And it, there wasn't a commitment yesterday. So I don't know what we're supposed to really <laughs> do. Um, I guess there kind of was one today. Weren't, weren't, so you, the, weren't you complaining about about not having a show where you could just go on a whole bunch of takes? Well, hit, we kind of did hit, that on Tuesday. There's the opportunity. You're right. So there kind of was a commitment or a return, and then there was a departure. CJ Getz tweeted out uh, the final chapter, something along those lines on Twitter. He's coming back. I think it, we all thought he was going to be back. I thought it was already done. No, um, I mean, yes, go ahead. Sorry. So that is big news for an outside linebacker room that uh, loses Nick Herbig and has a lot of younger guys in it that we wait and see who comes out and who breaks out and who bursts on the scene. Hopefully, you know, a Caden Johnson, a Daryl Peterson, someone along those lines. And then uh, the bigger news was that Dean Engram, cornerback slash wide receiver, if you, depending on the year, he entered the transfer portal. So he had tweeted something of him playing defense, and everybody wanted to say, oh, does this mean he's back at corner? What could it mean? Maybe, you know, they moved him to the other side of the ball. He might move back to corner, but for another football team, as you put on Twitter. <laughs> what, did you, what did you think when you saw this news? Surprise at all? Not a surprise. A little bit of a surprise after yesterday, but I guess um, maybe we should have seen that coming a little bit. Um, but it felt like when you're, you're putting up a video of what you did defensively at Wisconsin, it was like a very heavily edited Wisconsin, and you just kind of was like, I mean, the timing's interesting, right? But it's like, I'm sticking around. The transport is closing. I'm sticking around. I'm going to go play defensive back. Turns out uh, I'm not sticking around. I may be going to play defense back somewhere else. Um, it, to me, it would have been a huge ad. I mean, you, you look at what he was able to do in 2021 in the slot as their nickel corner was fantastic. I mean, he was made such a bigger impact there than he did at wide receiver this year. So it's a, it's a little bit of a hit. But the thing is, we weren't expecting him to be there, right? Like we weren't. I think a lot of people were expecting him to transfer because he was going to be a wide receiver, and if he was going to transfer at some point, uh, he was among the guys that I had when I was looking at the list of potential guys that may move on uh, to get them down to the scholarship uh, limit uh, because they, can, they have to be at 85 uh, in, you know, when the, the other recruits show up in the summer. He was one of those guys that maybe hits the transport and goes elsewhere. And so he did. But for 24 hours there, it was, gosh, they got their nickel back, their nickel cornerback back, him, Alex Smith, and some of the uh, other guys that they had rolling. Um, it would have been pretty darn good secondary it's still going to be a good secondary but getting dean dean ingram back would have been significant um just based on what he did in 2021 yeah the the move to wide receiver i think still uh is well, that's odd a, there's weird. A, there's a show topic uh the 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 uh most puzzling moves of 2022 calendar year uh, yes but wisconsin related okay so it, it can include coaching hires after the Las Vegas Bowl and yes. every, every single day up until the season started? Yes. <laughs> Most puzzling moves. Dean Ingram probably in the top ten, or excuse me, in the top five. However, the coaching decisions of, you know, his dad being a wide receivers and tight ends coach, being in, in coaching the quarterbacks uh, and calling plays for the first time, or hiring a former offensive lineman to coach the running backs. Like That's those, a good one. To me, those are top two. I don't know. Do you have do you have others that are in your mind? 
So I wish I had gone through, I, off the top of my head, not necessarily, but I wish I had gone through and found all of the questionable punts from the season. <laughs> Times where it might have been fourth and one from the plus 40. Puzzling moves. All you needed was a yard. Right. Things like that, things of that nature. Um, that's up there. Like I would, That's a great topic. I'm going to think about it. I, I think if we just sprout them in as tonight goes along, that okay. could work well. Sure. The thing is, the one that sticks in my brain is... At Minnesota, end of 2021, 10-6 Wisconsin leads in the fourth quarter. They are at the Minnesota 35-yard line. It's fourth and eight, and they punt. Oh, I thought you were going to bring up the punt with five minutes left when they were down double digits. No, the game was over by then. They weren't going to go forward. It was when they were up. And the screen cap of it is quite depressing (laughs) because you could see how close they are to the end zone and field goal range. Well, they kicked a field goal later in the game and didn't get it. Didn't even get close. Yeah, it was the play calling in that series because they went one deep ball, two deep ball, three intermediate punts instead of at least trying. Why are we, why to... are we relitigating twenty? Well, you're asking what didn't make sense, and no, that's know, one of them. But I asked about twenty twenty two. I didn't ask that's about twenty twenty one. Firing Paul Christ. No, that was <laughs> that was not a, that was not a puzzling move. Kind of kind of could see that one at some point coming. No, I sh- you know what? I shouldn't say that. It was not a puzzling move, but it was a surprising move. Yeah. That's a good way to say it. Uh, so we'll hit that throughout the show today. That's, that's a very interesting thought. Uh, Ingram is back in a cornerback room. That's one of the more interesting as we go throughout this offseason. Frankly, they all are, but Alex Smith is the one. Like, he, he is their best corner, I think. He has the most experience there. And then you have Ricardo Hallman, who played a lot last year on one side, who, who returns. You have a redshirt freshman in Avion Jones. Uh, you have Al Ashford also coming back. You have the Jason Maitre kid from Boston College. Last year it was kind of straightforward where it was uh, Alex Smith was out, but it was all the transfers. It was all yep. the older guys. This time it's Alex Smith who figures to be their best, and then a lot of younger guys that haven't played as much. Yeah, So I mean, a lot and, of unknowns. And I mean, If we're just talking about spring, yes, but then you throw into – into fall with, oh, with Amari Snowden with the recruits that they have at that spot. The start they, week what one. What they did there? No, what they did there, you know, it's is obviously pretty significant. So I think that is a position battle that is going to be fascinating come uh, come fall. We'll see what it looks like in the spring. I I still don't know what the defense is going to look like the spring. That was, and uh, I can't wait to ask some of the players about it um, and what exactly they think it's going to look like there because they're now back in the building. They've been back in the building this week going through workouts under new uh, strength coach Brady Collins, getting to meet some of their coaches. Obviously, uh, the running backs got their new coach, uh, reportedly have their new coach um, today. So we'll talk about that, I'm sure, coming up here in a bit. Um, But, yeah, a lot of new stuff happening uh, and and getting into it. The the true Luke Fickle era beginning this week in terms of – like the actual work being done. That's why I'm I'm excited to get Daryl on when we're able because the offensive side has been through so much change through the end of the Paul Christ era. Like a, most of the positions had seen different coaches year to year and uh, let alone the whole room in general after the 2021 season. The defense, not as much turnover nearly on that side, especially an outside linebacker replaced with Bobby April. Um, some coaches have moved, but in general, it's Jim Leonard. It's been Jim Leonard for a while. For these guys, like, I figured the offense would have a little more experience of adjusting to new people and maybe new but, ways of doing and maybe a new scheme. Yeah, but we we talked to we talked to Tanner about that. It is it's a it's a pretty significant difference between 
you know, having a position coach move over from one side of the ball to the other or, you know, because that's what they did and moving Chris Herring from special teams to tight ends. And they did obviously add some new bodies with Al Johnson and Bobby Engram, but a lot of familiar faces. And this is just a complete rehaul, like nobody back, no familiar faces whatsoever on that coaching staff. Yeah. Um, do you remember that time late in the Ohio State game? Do you when think I do? Paul Christ this past uh, Ohio State 52, Wisconsin 21, oh, when he, when he if you remember, when he didn't cha- – when, oh, when, when there was the penalty. For, uh, that was – that game – the game was over. I know what you're talking about. The game was over. Oh, the game was completely over, but right. it was puzzling. That was puzzling. It was weird. But, but the bigger puzzling was not going for it. Yes. <laughs> when you had nobody – and asked him afterwards, like, why didn't he? He goes, oh, I thought we could back him up and, and get a stop. I I'm believe like, it took Ohio State two plays what? to get back to their original place of punting. It was like, what in the world made you think that was going to happen? Uh, yes, C.J. Stroud, 10.4 yards per attempt. Uh, so more more moments will, will pop up as today goes along. Uh, we are live at Monks and Sun Prairie. It is Kenny and Heilprin. There's, there's a lot more to get to. Wisconsin reportedly has a new running backs coach. Uh, we'll talk more about the depth chart going forward. Uh, find a Monk's location near you. Find the Come out to the one in Sun Prairie for basketball this weekend. Uh, I'm being chirped by the peanut gallery as I go through it. But we have a lot more coming up. It's Kenny and Heilprin. This is Kenny and Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. We are back. Kenny and Heilprin, Monk's in Sun Prairie. Ben Kenny, Zach Heilprin talking uh so the badgers are back in the building and this is a piece of news zach that mentioned it coming into break it is one that has not been confirmed though has been reported by several different angles the badgers are looking to round their staff reportedly hiring devin spaulding as their running backs coach uh to go forward uh with a guy that seems to have experience coaching the position from from what i've been able to garner zach <laughs> which is your thoughts which is a change this has been a change <laughs> It's not Al Johnson's fault. Like, Al Johnson wanted to coach offensive line. He said as much, like, when he got to coach the bowl game. He's like, ah, oh, I got to coach. I got to do my dream job. I got to coach offensive line at Wisconsin. For I wish it was more than one game. Um, but, no, this guy actually has experience coaching running back. He was the running backs coach at Youngstown State uh, for the last three years. But he actually played the position, uh, along with a little bit of wide receiver, at Central Michigan and uh, grew up in Michigan itself. So, obviously, has connections there. He was the, I believe, uh, Youngstown State's in Ohio, right? Correct? It is. Why? Well, you mean, oh, yeah, in terms of recruiting-wise, yeah. Seems to have, seems to be a Michigan guy, but could, if he comes from a place like Youngstown State, know the area yeah, well. And the, and the connection is he was the uh, a graduate assistant under Fickle in 2019. So uh, Luke Fickle certainly has him. Yeah, I mean, he's, yeah, what's, how old is he? What's his age? That's a good question. Ah, you can't say, you can't say he was young and then not know the age, dude. Well, if he was a GA three years ago, I don't know. Nothing. Hey, anyway, nothing. But uh, there is your running backs <laughs> coach hire, <laughs> or at least as it seems. Uh, Talk about a position that has been through a lot, though. I mean, over the last, not only with oh. with Al Johnson, but previously the Fohawk. Wow. Uh, and Zach has found a picture <laughs> when he was a player at Central Michigan. Yep. So he was a little bit of wide receiver, a little bit of a little bit of running back. Uh, ran for 758 yards uh, in 2016. So class of 24, class of 2014 high school. So that what is that? What class were you? 
2013. So, and you are? 24. So he's probably, you weren't class of 2013, were you? Coming out of high school. 17. 17. Oh, what the, no, sorry. <laughs> what the hell? I was sorry. about to say, dude, that does not Mix make that sense. Four that years ago. That, 28. That, that's yeah, young. Yeah, yeah 28. Um, and some people, I, I saw some people upset with it uh, just because he hasn't been at a major program. Uh, and, and running backs coach at Wisconsin is supposed to be a big-time position. I mean. I will say it feels like if you waited this long to make this hire that you had some other targets out there that you were probably going after before you made this hire. Um, I kind of thought because they were waiting until the NFL season over that there was a possibility that they were going to try and grab somebody from the NFL and bring them back. I don't oh. know that that was the case. I don't know if that was true. Um, but it feels like this hire is a hire that you could have made three weeks ago or yep. two weeks ago, whenever you wanted to make it, um, if you didn't perhaps strike out with some of your earlier ones. That said. That's a good point. I like it. I like the young. They need some youth on youth, youth on this staff, and he certainly brings it. And he's not the only small school guy that Fickle has gone after. The no, uh, Matt Mitchell, outside linebackers. No, yeah, his? Matt Mitchell Matt. from uh, I just written it down from Grand Valley State. He but brought he, him in, but like he's a head are, coach and he's an experienced head coach. He's been there for a long time. Yeah, but it's not as if he was going and trying to poach like, oh, there's Alabama's quality control analyst. No, now come to Wisconsin, Bill O'Brien. Oh, <laughs> surprise, surprise. He, he interviewed with the Patriots. Yeah, he's going to be their OC probably. That's, it's the most obvious move I have ever seen in my life, and Alabama's going to be better off for it. Well, I mean, he was when the he Patriots goes. OC when, for a while yeah. before he went to the Texans. He, he's been everywhere. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm fine with it. I mean, at, at this time, like, position coaches aren't something that, given all that's gone on since Fickle started, how, can, how am I able to get on him about one of the hires you can't. Where, where everything else has been clearly so positive so far. I don't think it's a bad hire. Yeah. If that's what you're saying. I, I, I don't Well, to the people that so. do, it's, just, it's like. It, it is a little under the radar more so than, yeah. He also gets more of the benefit of the doubt than I could ever imagine. Like, like where we sit right now, usually you'd be looking forward and a lot of unknowns. I think because of all the positive stuff. The benefit of the doubt, I think, is deserved here. And I didn't expect it to be this early, definitely. Oh, in so, terms of benefit of the doubt with Just stuff? in terms of what he has done in yes. general. Yeah, yeah. Would you? Because Longo is out of the box. What's your What's your biggest issue then? Not just like with, like if you were to take issue with anything, what would it be? With Fickle right now? Yeah. That's a good question. Not... There isn't really anything to point to. No. I would, I, 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 the only thing you could but say. But it's only been two and a half months. I think it depends on. I think it depends on your view of Jim Leonard, and whether he should have been like. And I don't. I don't believe he should have been. But uh, given control over the defensive staff, right? Like, in that, and don't know that to be the case. But like, if he had been given control of the defensive staff, it's likely. I, I feel like he might still be here. And, and control of the defense. And I don't think he should have gotten it. I think that's a pretty good hold on by uh, by Fickle. You, why would you give up something that you're very, very good at and, and give up control? It just wouldn't make sense whatsoever. Right, that's his calling card. It wouldn't make sense whatsoever. So, um, But, like, people that wanted Jim Leonard here no matter what. The dynamic also would have been so weird. Yeah. And, listen, Jim Leonard is probably the best college defensive mind in the country or at least one of the best he's up there and it it sucks to see a guy like that go and the circumstances of all of it but mike trestle's been there and done it too 
Yeah. And to Luke Fickle, as you mentioned, that is his calling card. He was, it, he was a D.C. on a national championship winning team. Right. If you had brought in an offensive, like if Phil Longo was the head coach and then that happened with Leonard, I would have definitely wanted Leonard back because that's not what the head coach did. Right. Plus, I think the dynamic would have been so weird yes. had, had that happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. As we saw like during the bowl game, yeah, it was it, still a little weird. It was and it wasn't. I think they would have done it a little bit better had they been like on the same staff and it like it wasn't just three weeks of them being thrown together and having to get it done and I thought they did a great job with it but that was a little bit different so overall though I I don't think there is any one thing to point to to question or to not like but it's only January 19th and he has made hires you have plenty of time we're still in the honeymoon phase yes made a lot of hires gotten a lot of recruits and transfers it's kind of funny the jim leonard they haven't played a game the jim leonard honeymoon lasted a week that was that was that was fun it was a fun honeymoon yeah but, that, but that northwestern game this one's long lasting work has given us ample time off to to enjoy said honeymoon uh definitely still plugged in you know to, to work with the email and such when you're gone but you know still fun nonetheless maybe you're out skiing <laughs> what are you talking about uh, the honeymoon oh okay it's a long one oh, okay um, gotcha but I reserve the right as the year gets closer and as we get into important games to question certain things within the game. Like, there will be things that aren't done perfectly. That's the nature of college football, right? Like, even guys like Saban and Kirby Smart, there are probably things you could point to and and wonder why they did it this way. Um, And even so, like, what Kirby Smart would have gotten a lot of flack for was Stetson Bennett even after the first semifinal game last season. Kirby Smart said he was going to stick with him, and then he won the national title last year. He came back and won it again this year. It's just like those are things that when a guy's had that much success and does enough right, they just get the benefit of the doubt in those spots. But but that's all season stuff. Like, this is January. Yeah. I, I don't know how you can you can disagree with anything he's done except maybe buy a billboard next to Brian Erlacher. <laughs> you question the billboards? The one next – like – is he taking Brian Urlacher's billboard space? Probably, because they're everywhere. When you go through Chicago, they are everywhere. Yeah, I have somewhat of a problem with that. My only, I guess my issue would be not putting ones up in Minnesota at this point. Yeah. But, may, again, as I said last week, I don't know if they have enough Minnesota guys. My my real one would be why is there not one outside of an Aussie punting academy? <sighs> Maybe that's still in the works. Stop it. Um, it's Kenny and Heilprin. Uh I think I'm going to go into breaks with puzzling moments from the last calendar year. Okay. And you could chime in. If you have, if you have any others, feel free to throw them out. Sure. The next one, every single time Braylon Allen lined up in Wildcat. Mm. Puzzling. <laughs> even most when, most even notably when, against Illinois. Even when he threw down? Against Illinois, when Paul Chris was still the head coach, and like they had lost to Ohio State, okay? If they had come back and beaten Illinois – Maybe things are different. Who knows? Probably not long-term because there was a difference in vision. But that week, that day, would have been different. They lined Braylon Allen up in Wildcat, and I thought I think he threw a pick. It, it was like third and two, third and three. I'll find the, that the right one. That doesn't sound like him. Uh, it, was, it was not good. I didn't think he threw an interception this All week. Right. Did he? No, he threw it into the ground. Oh, Sorry. okay. All right. Which, which resulted in a punter and missed field goal. But the Wildcat. The Wildcat. Puzzling. Puzzling. At least to me. That was but that was the new the new wrinkle they threw in the offense this year. Yeah, and along the offense with that, along with that throwback screen. And the offense stunk. 
And the second time they tried the throwback screen, that also stuck. <laughs> so, like, all of the things you could point to as, you know, seminal moments in the season were also quite puzzling because they didn't work. <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> Paul Chris punting the ball to Ohio State. It's unreal. Unreal. All right. Uh, a lot more to get to when we return. That is Zach Heilprin. I'm Ben Kenny. We're live at Monks and Sun Prairie. Uh, happy hour specials going on all week uh, and until 7 o'clock, 3 to 7. Got $4 spotted cows, $5 Long Islands, money off appetizers as well. The food is great. Find, us on, find a Monks location near you. Come by the one in Sun Prairie. We have more coming up next. This is Kenny and Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Kenny and Heilbrun, we are back. Monks and Sun Prairie. Puzzling moments in the last year in Wisconsin football. Uh, Did you think of another one when we went to the bathroom? In honor of the positional change <laughs> from cornerback to wide receiver, there was the refs calling the, the goal line touchdown against Purdue. Oh, yes. We're I'm off. excited to ask Daryl about that when we get a chance to because when you look at the replay and all of the stills posted, he is looking right at the football on the goal line and, <laughs> and a clear at least six-inch to seven-inch mark oh. in between. Uh, that was puzzling. That is horrible. That was that, puzzling. I mean, it was a puzzling call, but it was also like, what the hell? Seriously. I have another one. Eight. And okay. things have improved since then, so I'm allowed to say this because otherwise it still would be fresh. The final minute of the Minnesota game puzzling to say the least i got uh, yes <laughs> that's it that's the, all that needs to be said yeah the f- yes the, the, f- the plays after they got to the five-yard line correct what happened after they got to the five-yard line yes yes that complete it, it, it's actually kind of funny um daryl peterson kind of summed up the season but also the last five, the last minute of that game, when he talked to us after the guaranteed rate bowl, when he said it was a bleep show, the season was, but also, yes, that. So I, I'm looking forward to asking him about that as well. I yeah, I just I cannot imagine how how recent that actually was. Yeah, I mean it's only been calendar wise and in the grand scheme of it's life, been less than two months. Um, yeah, right. And, uh, yes. And everything has been flipped on its head. So, uh, <laughs> puzzling things from, from the last year. And then, I mean, there's the whole uh, the fact that the special teams had its best game in two decades in the guaranteed rate bowl. After Chad let Chris Herring get his system in. After another. Is that your thing? No. Oh. No, no, no. Very much not. Someone said that. Uh, after a lackluster season, there's a lot of love. Well, there's a lot of love out there for obviously this draft cycle's happening. And on Twitter and in NFL circles, people are hyping up these guys. Some are even hyping up next year's draft guys, where the guys where at this point next year we will be all over them. And I've seen the name Cooper DeGene thrown out a couple mm. times at Iowa safety yeah. and punt returner. And that, like he single-handedly beat Wisconsin. So I can't. Graham Mertz had a hand in it. True. But it, it was puzzling to see how good of a performance was actually possible in a bowl game against a team that has now lost every player they have in Oklahoma State. Turn out the lights when after, you leave Stillwater. After Iowa pretty much beat them on it. 
and I guess they often do. So it, it, special teams, yeah. I mean, special teams has been the biggest difference. Like when when uh, Wisconsin loses games to Iowa, special teams usually have a big impact in it. So there are. I wanted to ask you this: there are two co-special teams coordinators, mm. or one. How does that all shake out on the coaching staff? Because I've seen special teams coordinator in the title of a couple of the coaches as they have been introduced. No. Have they? Have they? Uh, have they introduced Matt Mitchell? Did yeah. I, did I? Okay. All right. And, that, and special teams was in the in the title. I'm almost positive. I will go double check. Okay. But, but anyway, there have there are reports out there at least of there being multiple special teams people. I, uh, aside from whether it has been officially put out there, are you surprised by that? And no. And how would how, if you were running a college football program and this one specifically, how would you deal with special teams? I would deal with it with the way they dealt with it last year. Like I, I again, even how bad they were, I think it had more to do with just they weren't good at special teams. Um, and did they all of a sudden become great at special teams? In the bowl game? No, they just had a really good game. But anybody, <laughs> like, oh, they need a dedicated special teams coach. Chris Herring was the dedicated special teams coach for the previous seven years, and they weren't any good on special teams then. I don't. They were I, not. I, like, I don't – and here's the thing. A lot of people will then say, well, yeah, Chris Herring's not a good coach. You will not get a disagreement from me on that. Um, of all the coaches that were on the staff the entire time, he was the one that probably shouldn't have been. Um, that was – yeah, that that should have been a situation where they had. Uh, yes, that should have been a change. That, that should not have been a guy that was on the staff after the performance of the special teams for a, an extended period of time. Plus, that said, I don't think they need. I don't think you need a dedicated special teams coach. Now that they have co-special teams coordinators, is it going to be amazing? No, these guys are the exact same thing as what they did last year. They're they're coaching other positions, but they're also having a significant role on special teams. That didn't change from before. All these coaches helped on special teams before, too, before this year. Like, uh, you know, Jim Leonard with the punt returners or whatever, you know, whatever it is. Like, these guys had roles. Assistant coaches had roles as in special teams. It wasn't just Chris Herring running the entire special teams thing by himself. Well, plus there's so many. The, despite the appearance of the special teams. Right. It wasn't that way. Well, there's so many facets of it where if a kicker misses a field goal, oh, fire the special teams coordinator. He stinks. If a, if a punter has a bad punt, oh, special teams coordinator, get him out. If the punt return isn't great, the kick return, the coverage, there, there's so many different ways it's actually on the field. And some of that is you just need a good kicker and a good punter and, and guys that can play, Yeah, maybe. which like Vujnovic has. But, you know, throughout time there's been some, some field goal struggles sometimes. And yeah. everyone's like, oh, the special teams stink. It's like, or maybe the kicker just is struggling. And that's the other thing. There were there were periods of good special teams play this year, right? Like Isaac Garendo in the kickoff return unit was pretty darn good. The kickoff coverage unit was pretty darn good. The punt return unit, not so great. Uh, well, here's the thing, another thing. They're going to have a new punt returner next year no matter what now. Which I am. I don't think people are upset about. I'm excited for. I don't we'll see who it is. I don't hate it. We'll see. Exactly. We'll see who it is. The longer you stay as a punt returner, and if you're not returning kicks for touchdowns, the longer you have a chance of just uh, people beginning to just dislike you. Like if you're <laughs> if you're not turning it up and, and making plays all the time, there's certain guys that have been around for a really long time that uh, were really good at punt returns, and people loved them. 
And there's other guys that were eh, okay. Like a Jack Dunn. Jack Dunn wasn't bad. I mean, he led he led the Big Ten, or he led, yeah, he led the Big Ten in like punt return uh, average one year. But people well, they hated, hated him because he had to play receiver. But people like, hated him. No, they hated him as punt returner too. Like you don't have anybody better than Jack Dunn to put back at punt returner. Which no. is and here's here's that's not how a game is. It's not how a game is won. It can be how games are lost. Yes, to me. This is so stupid and so obvious, but Bill Bush, the one of the special teams, I think he was actually special teams coordinator under Gary Anderson, was also the safeties coach. Um, asked him like, "What's the most important thing as a punt returner?" He goes, "The only thing that matters. The only thing that matters at the end of a punt return is whether you have the ball. Whether you return it five yards, two yards, fifty yards, it doesn't matter. As long as you have the ball, that's all that matters." And which is which is very obvious. And then, for the most part, Dean Ingram, Wisconsin, had the ball after it. Yeah, and I, it could, it does go back. Now, sometimes and, it was at the one yard line after he let it bounce and let right, it go down. But right, that's that's the one thing. Or maybe you know you decide to not put anybody back there and just rush everybody, which I brought up after one muff this year. Uh, I think it happened to the Packers too. So in the state, but yeah, I'm with you. In the grand scheme of what matters for this team, really going forward in the future special teams are important but they're not the winning plays or the losing plays that's the margin stuff where if you have an offense that is good enough or a defense that's good enough special teams matter dude no i know but i'm saying it'll only take you certain amount of plays with the other units on the field to negate that impact it's important but it as I said, usually comes down to the wire with with certain with certain teams and well it loses it for you i don't think it wins it well, I mean, Iowa won game with, with with special teams. That's true, but that's Lavar Woods. If you could hire Lavar Woods, and bring would, him to Wisconsin. Yeah. Uh, that that is the one guy I might be very in favor for. But <laughs> we'll see. I I figure there will be some special teams complaining when when the season kicks off, whenever that happens. Oh, same why don't old. They, why don't they have a dedicated special teams coach? Same old Wisconsin. Oh, Vakos miss, misses a, a kick, and it's like the god. Where's Calvaruso? Yep, the kicker sucks. Well, he's not here. What are you going to do? There are going to be those moments during the year. I feel yes. like especially early where people are unhappy with something very specific that plagues most college football teams. Uh, for instance, maybe having a negative rush on first down or or punting when maybe they shouldn't punt. Or I mean, he did it in the bowl game. He punted when it was like, really? Why? Really? You're doing right. that? What? And Jim Leonard did it, too, at times. Like, you're punting there? Why? What? Really? But, no, the first time Tanner Mordecai throws an interception or whoever the quarterback wins the starting job, be like, Graham Mertz could have done that. Oh, put in Chase Wolf. Graham Mertz could have done that. Yeah. Put in Nick Evers. Uh, speaking of Mertz, actually. Put in uh, Braden we're, we're, Locke. We're going to hit break here in a second, but uh, speaking of, you know, former Badgers, where they are, J.J. Watt retired. He did. That was a while ago. Yep. Incredible career. Well, he announced he was going to a while ago. He did, I guess, two weeks ago. Incredible career. Congratulations. We're, we're right on top of the breaking news here at Kenny and Hyle. Exactly. Graham Mertz is at Florida, and they just recently lost out on a very highly touted quarterback. Was that officially that done? had been committed. I saw that he he repealed. He, he put in something to get his national letter of intent taken off. So I want to talk about that next because it's also. Million. Yes. It's a larger sport discussion hmm. when it comes to all of it, and merch yeah. just happens to be there a when, it all, of it. Well, we'll see. when it all goes on. We'll see. So right. 
We'll talk about that next. Uh, again, it's Kenny and Heilprin. We're live from Monks in Sun Prairie. Badgers, hopefully against Northwestern on Saturday. Come here to watch it. Uh, come here to eat during the week. Come here. Football this weekend. My bird, Zach, Saturday night. The Giants are in town, 7-15. Uh, find a Monks near you to watch that game. We have more Kenny and Heilprin coming up next. This is Kenny and Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. All right, Kenny and Heilprin, DRP. Monks Bar and Grill, Sun Prairie. The Badgers are back in the building. They are uh, together as a team. We hope to get Daryl Peterson on the show coming up next week, uh, next Thursday, a week from today. Hopefully other guys as well. Talk about what the return's like, uh, Zach. Talk about what, I mean, we know what the outside reaction has been like for a month. Talk about what it's been like actually for them. Uh, both inside and when they aren't directly inside the building with all the headlines, uh, with all this excitement online. So looking forward to that. Hopefully that happens next week. I wanted to to touch on, before we get out of here, a big story in the sport. Now, it can transcend football and basketball, and it, it obviously is not Wisconsin-centric, but it could be something that happens down the line, and there are a lot of angles to it. Um, so Jaden Rashada... He's a five, four, five-star quarterback in the class of 2023. He had signed his national letter of intent to Florida after decommitting from Miami, I believe, uh, under head coach Billy Napier there at Florida. There are reports, so he's now uh, requested a release from said national letter. There are reports that a $13 million name, image, and likeness package fell through, and now he wants to go somewhere else because they, they had promised something they had not come through on it yeah that is what is being reported i don't know if that is for certain but many people are talking about it in that same light they have two collectives down there uh one that was just completely uh boosters and the other one was former players that like were raising money like for from fans and that was the one he signed it with um and there was thought there was going to be help from the other one and obviously that that did not happen Imagine and again. Imagine needing two collectives. Imagine <laughs> not having one well-run collective with Sam Decker hosting podcasts and, and Joe Thomas and things of that nature that tweets out asking for money and has seemingly helped Wisconsin put together a nice transfer class. We have no idea if that's the case whatsoever. Not at all. Seemingly. Yes, seemingly. That uh, would be the key word. I, I, I will say I do think it played a factor. We just don't know the exact exactly the, correct. level of that. Um. Uh, I, I mean, to me, there there are people on both sides of this criticizing Rashada for walking back his letter. Uh, some the money. Well, some that are looking at Florida and saying, get your stuff together. And you also can't do that, allegedly, right? Like, you can't give money for a guy to come play for you. Yes. There's no such thing as pay for play, um, except that's exactly what is happening. Yeah, everywhere. And, I, I mean, to me, if you're in that position and someone offers you that and it is not they don't come through on it 100%. I would also want to go somewhere else. Uh, the valuation of $13 million for that situation is is interesting. But that's a market correction thing, I feel like. Oh, where, sure. again, I've talked about maybe because there's a report the Nico IMI Lieva kid in Tennessee reports are he is $8 million yeah. for four years. Yeah. I think that's something as time goes on, maybe it'll be given more on the back end 
when they accomplish things or when they win things or when they're there for a certain time. I don't know. It feels like as time goes on, I don't. I again, the market could correct. We see the same thing in in NFL free agency. It's not what you've done. It's it's what you're going to be doing for us. Uh, I shouldn't say it's it's you're getting paid for what you've done, not what you're going to do in the future. And so you kind of don't know what you're going to get from a guy in the future. You're paying them for what they've done, and that's what you're doing with these high school guys. You're paying them for what they've done in high school, and you're hoping that it's going to translate to college. But I also thought, and actually the timing's pretty good, the article from Bruce Feldman talking about the star level in the NFL on the all-pro teams, right? It was really good. So on defense, it's like four and a half, wasn't it? it was like yep. The average star is like four and a half. On offense, it's 2.0. The offense is a little bit, and that's where the money's going. The offense is going to the, is going to the uh, offensive guys, and quarterback is at the top of that. And as we saw with Graham Hurts and pretty much all the kids in that 2019 class, it's an absolute crapshoot whether the quarterbacks are going to be good or not, unless, right. unless you end up at Alabama or Georgia. And even then, you know, in Ohio State, like even then, there's no guarantees. But to give a kid like that, and he's not the top-rated quarterback in the country. He's not the top like the highest level guy that you could possibly get to give him that type of money and then obviously fall through through it. I mean, Georgia, Florida's desperate, right? Oh, yeah. But, I mean, that to me, that is a market correction in terms of not wanting to give it to a guy like that. Other guys that are at a high level, they're still going to get it. Right. The crapshoot is seen uh, as evident as you need to see it in Georgia just won two national titles with a walk-on. Yeah. Their former five-star transferred three times, I think, after that. To West Virginia, I believe, and then to Troy, maybe. JT Daniels. I don't know. But JT Daniels at USC, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. He went to maybe from USC. to. to he's transferred like four times. But yeah. Georgia was one of those stops. But anyway, yeah, the, the all-pro team in the NFL, you talk about uh, Mahomes, who's a three-star Josh Jacobs, who was a low star. Devontae Adams, who was also quite low. Uh, and meanwhile, you go to defense, and it's, a you know, Miles Garrett, Chris Jones, Dexter Lawrence, Nick Bosa, Aaron, uh, Aaron Donald's the one. But uh, it's a good article by Bruce Feldman in The Athletic going through kind of what, what goes into the positions and why that disparity exists, talking to NFL guys. And I think it makes sense. I think – when you talk about what recruiting is, which is a pure athletic, can they play, but also what is your profile basis, that could translate to defense where you could, you know, be an athlete. You can't be hidden on defense. On offense, a good quote is, I can play offense with a 4-6 wide receiver. I can't play defense with a 4-6 corner. Yeah. I, I, I will say it's gotten better. Like the evaluation of high school guys has gotten a lot better. Far better. Than it was 20 years ago or even 10 years ago, but – Certain guys, you know, are just going to be good. Like Bryce Young, he was like the top-rated quarterback, top, you know, one of the top-rated players in the country. Just pretty damn good. Trevor Lawrence, Trevor was Lawrence, probably going to be good. Yeah. Now, it was what, him in Fields, one-two that what, year. Right now, what about a guy like C.J. Stroud, who was not heavily, heavily recruited coming out of high school? He he kind of came in late and started throwing the ball around, and and he and turned out to be obviously. Probably the second. I mean, well, he was a four-star kid, but he wasn't thought of as like a sure thing. And now he's a top-five pick. There, and in the beginning, well, he better the, be a top-five. The pick. beginning of the recruiting process, it wasn't like that for him. He was kind of overshadowed by, I want to say Bryce Young, 
And I don't know if they were in the same class, though. I don't think they were. Bryce, did, I don't, I don't know. think Bryce, I don't. I don't know exactly. But there were other guys in that class that were highly thought of and higher than him, and they're not anymore. Like it, it, it's the same thing with that 2019 class with Graham Mertz and Spencer Rattler and you know well, that whole a host class of other has guys. proven to be not that good top yeah. to bottom. Right. But it's interesting. Oh, I mean, it's something. If Wisconsin is going to be the player that we hope it can be. And long-term outlook here, if Phil Longo is to stay around for a bit, which, I mean, like, in three, four years, Phil Longo could go take a job. But if Phil Longo is to stay or if another great offensive coordinator is hired and Wisconsin does want to play with whoever, I mean, we probably will see them in the running for certain quarterbacks or certain players. And in, in where college football is right now, like, this could be a Wisconsin that a Jaden Rosada situation happens with just like it's not only Florida some ineptitude there but I think it's something where I there are so many more angles to it than just he walks back this and they offered him this at play it's hard to it's hard to know for sure I'll be shocked if it's ever if they have a type of situation here I mean just overall not that not that magnitude but overall things come up during the recruiting with NIL because I no one, no one really knows how to tread these waters that we're in. So. Yeah, things happen. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, coming up on, on Tuesday, Zach, we'll probably react to what ho- hopefully they play on Saturday. Is there any word on that? <laughs> it sounded no very word. doubtful. Like, again, they would be leaving for Chicago tomorrow that they still don't have anything. They said on Tuesday they'd have more information in the next 24 hours. Uh, we're now going on 48 hours and don't have any more information. They do. Now it's possible they'll end up playing the game, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's possible they'll end up doing it. It seems unlikely at this point, but you never know. For, for now, it's still on, and they've rescheduled their game with Iowa. So. so if they do play, we'll talk about it. Yes. But maybe we'll do a little, little transfer portal rating show. <laughs> um, or in terms of impact. Oh, for sure. Both this year and in the future. Yep. And all the guys that, that are brought in. I think all you can 13. guess who number one is. But but we'll go through the whole class because now they still could add guys and, and there still might be a couple out there. But mostly the, the craziness of the beginning portal cycles over. So we'll do that. Um, and then go forward. I mean, still we're a month and a half from spring ball. <laughs> and I... Like, it, it feels so far away, yet it feels like it's already began, frankly, with. Oh, I mean, they're back in the building, right? They're back in the building, and there's going to be news. There will be news. We don't, I don't think we have to worry about that. There will yeah. be news. So uh, that is Tuesday at 6 o'clock, and then we hope, again, to be uh, hanging out with Daryl Peterson. We hope he's able to join us coming up next Thursday here at 5 uh, for all that have been listening, for all that are hanging around, thank you. Uh, we'll talk to you on Tuesday. Kenny and Heilprin, live from Monks and Sun Prairie. We will talk to you next week.